0: Okay, I'll do an intro. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Larry. Larry, so good we're to sure. have you here. Um, so, Larry, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's no other word for him other than a genius of Giza, a genius in terms of deciphering the original geometries that were encoded into the Giza complex. And just now off camera, Larry was telling me about. Uh, some amazing things he's discovered. For example, he's discovered uh, an innocent-looking shaft may not have been so innocent when Giza was built. Uh, I suggested to him, did it contain an obelisk? Did it contain something interesting? Because there is, it is at the centre by 888 feet uh, from other things on the Giza complex. He's also talked about the fine structure constant, something in physics which has been encoded into Giza where the Hemiunu temple complex replicates the 110 billionth billionth of the speed of light uh, as a scale model. So, Larry, how are you, sir? And, And I have to add, Larry runs the American Institute of Pyramid Research. Did I get that right? That's right. The American Institute, right here. That's it. That's it. Uh, Larry has met uh, Zahir Hawass many times. He has uh, been to Egypt many times and he actually also runs tours and he's discovered amazing things. Larry is the closest living being to an original uh, Giza, if I can say that, an original Giza mathematician. Larry, uh, you've told me some amazing things already. Um, How are you doing?
1: You know, it's always good to talk with you, Charles, um, you know, uh, you, you you have such an eclectic channel, as I've said before, and, uh, you know, you uh, are open to things that, that others might not be, you're willing to look at things that you don't agree with, and some, some channels don't seem to have that breadth of personality to be able to handle things that are outside their belief system, so, you know, I appreciate you, uh, you know, letting me have a word here or something, so let me uh, share a screen here, and... Uh, Let's see, I guess I'll go with this one right here. Okay, so uh, something you said there, I wanted to see, I think I just put it on my desktop. Let's see if I can uh, find it here uh, real quick, uh, right here. Okay, so this right here, you, you said that uh, you know I was with Zahi Was. Okay, this is the front page of the Cairo paper in 2014 when I was on tour with Zahia Was in the initial tour after the revolution you know uh, there had been devastation in egypt after the revolution all the the uh, hotels you know the people that make their living in hospitality had just had no business and so we made the front page of the cairo paper because zahi awas and 90 tourists are reopening tourism in egypt that man is pointing his finger to the story about us reopening tourism and so that was a a polish tour company took a risk and they they did this tour it was very successful the next year 2015 they did three tours and now they're doing one like every 10 days and and uh you know tourism is obviously back it's flourishing uh in egypt so but i mentioned that because uh you know i I, my relationship with zahiwas is adversarial sometimes because i'm seen in pictures with him and stuff you know people think i'm just a you know but but uh, I, I don't join the alternatives that uh, just immediately slam Mark Lehner and Zahi Was, and they're they're hiding something. They're they're legitimate scientists in their own right. You know, Zahi Was is a publicist, so publicists, you know, they exaggerate. Any publicist does it. Hey, come come to Florida, it's the best place in the world, you know. So, you know, he can be forgiven a little bit for, for exaggerating things and and uh, maybe he has hidden some things at times, like the robot footage from up there that he was doing on his own. Well, any any good scientist is going to do that. You do the research yourself first in your own lab before you go blab into the world. So I, I don't hold that necessarily against them. But anyways, but I don't I, I don't just always settle with their conclusions. You know, even with Mark Lehner, uh, I've got somewhat of an adversary relationship, although maybe a little bit closer to him. But I, I mentioned their names as being the standard Egyptologist. But I think... I, I consider myself a total independent. And uh, I, I look at all the independent channels. Uh, I pick and choose, you know, like anybody, I'm eclectic, and, and, and I try and, you know, find my bearings. And so I don't immediately slam the Egyptologists, I don't immediately slam the alternatives. I like to, you know, be discriminating and, you know, pick the best from among them. So let me talk about the uh, of the fine structure constant. Since uh, you know you you mentioned that here, so here's on the screen is a uh, uh, you know the the uh, enigmatic number, of the fine structure constant. So what the fine structure constant is? It's one of the major constants you know in the universe. There's pi. A lot of people know that one, three point one four one five nine. It defines the relationship between a diameter and a circumference or an area. And there's uh, Euler's constant, was discovered in the 19th century. Uh, you know, 2.718 and that, that governs a lot of things like uh, the rate of interest growth and in, in, in different things. And then there's phi, the famous golden proportion. But the fine structure constant, which, is, which the Greek letter alpha is used to talk about it, is the most mysterious. And it's called the god number by Richard Feynman, the theoretical physicist. And it has to do with the relation it, at what uh, energy level electrons either emit or absorb an electron. So it's, the, the number is on the verge of the physical world, electrons, everything is made of electrons around us, you know, protons, neutrons, and electrons, and photons, light, which are more mysterious, ethereal, spiritual, in a sense. And so the, this number, you know, is sort of like between the two worlds of, of body and spirit. And so it's, it's magical and mystical. And yet, you know, the, the physicists who study it and are amazed by it and say it's this God thing, uh, they also say the, the, the universe wouldn't exist without it. So it's an important number and it's, the number is one over 137, or the reciprocal is 137. So, so uh, let, let me show you something I was doing with, uh, okay, with that down here, let's see. Uh, all right, I gotta find, uh... okay, I guess this is it right here. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay, so um, I, I did a video that's, uh, I think it's my, one of my ro- most recent YouTube videos on the fine structure constant <clears throat> and how it is embedded in the Great Pyramid. But here's a second way it's embedded. So watch that video to, to see the first way. Here's a second way right here. So uh, let's look at, let me just start with this, this screen right here. Okay, so uh, this <clears throat> is an alpha and omega that I discovered in the Great Pyramid. Wow. Uh, you know, there, there's uh, there's the four letters at the entrance of the Great Pyramid, the Tetragrammaton, I've studied those. There's an Alpha and Omega on the northwest, the, north, uh, the uh, southwest corner of the coffer in the King's chamber, a very plain Alpha and Omega that Robert Grant discovered. And there's this Alpha and Omega, which is in the descending passage right near the scored lines uh, that are in the descending passage, sometimes called the entrance passage. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it's got like a Templar cross up above it if you look close up there. And, and so uh, it's got, you know, an alpha right there. It's got an omega if you see it around it. And then it's got this uh, uh, inverted, uh, you know, alpha, which, which again, made me think of the first letter of the Tetragrammaton that's at the entrance to the Great Pyramid, which is pronounced Debar which is my family name. My my uh, maternal grandfather is uh, James F. Dubar, which his name, the name means word or holy of holies. So now you've got this V, you know, in there. And so, uh, you know, I just think that, that that could be channeling the the holy of holies. Okay. So, so here we are in the king's chamber. There's the coffer. Okay. So, uh, there, there's a, a picture I took in 2014, when I was with Zahi Owas of the entrance. This is the entrance that comes into uh, the King's chamber. Okay. And here's another view of it. I took this picture in 2014. Okay. So the coffer, which is in there will not fit through that door, upright. But if you, if you turned it sideways and I, I didn't get my graphic to, to do sideways, but if you turn it sideways, it will fit through there. Okay. So, uh, so, so you head now into uh, the king's chamber, okay? So, there it is. So there's the sarcophagus sitting there alone, and if you turn it on its side, and you think, all right, because if you did it vertically, it wouldn't be turn. On
0: its side, okay, so this is precisely six taking the
1: coffer into the king's the chamber. Five or six, okay, so. This is the yeah, number of coffers that length. fit there. Say,
0: well, well, why did they choose that particular length? I wondered how many would fit in. There's not an exact number, at least not a
1: perfect okay. of lengths of sorry. So there it is. The one. There. Okay, so so exactly 137.5 of those coffers fit inside the, the king's chamber. Okay. Now 137.5 is a number. Here's the golden angle. Okay, so you can see this, uh, this uh, here, the green is to the red and, and what's shown there as the red is to the blue. That's, you know, the phi proportion, okay? And so when you do that, you get an angle of 137.5. So this is just showing, you know, the golden proportion, A is to B as, you know, as AB is wow. to the whole thing, okay? So if the circumference of that circle right there is 432, you know, very important number because the Great Pyramid is a 1:43,200 scale model of the earth. And so 432 is related to the, the processional cycle. So if you take the circumference of that circle to be 432, then the diameter is 137.5. So you've got 137.5 as a diameter, but the golden angle is 137.5. Okay, so that's interesting that there's 137.5 coffers fit inside the King's Chamber. Now that doesn't seem to be by chance. There's so much that's intentional in Giza. The fact that there's this, the one piece of furniture, here's the great pyramid bereft of anything. There's no gold, no silver, no hieroglyphics. You know, it's just this empty industrial room except for this coffer and then this empty coffer. But this empty coffer is exactly 137, fits in exactly 137.5 times inside the King's chamber. Okay, but so there's the 137.5. But 137.5 is not the fine structure constant. The fine structure constant, there it is right there. Uh, this is Richard Feynman who wrote, wrote books about it, taught courses about it. That's the fine structure constant. So just like pi is a certain constant, you know, phi, this is this is the fine structure constant. And uh, that's one over 137, okay? So then the reciprocal is 137. So those are the numbers that are usually associated with Uh, the the fine structure constant, which is called alpha. So there's 137.5 of of these in the King's chamber. But listen, but half of this coffer is space. It's well known that, that the amount of physical granite there is, is equal to the space. So the space volume is equal to the physical volume, okay? So because of that, The physical part of the coffer takes up one 137th of the king's chamber because the inside's hollow. Wow. So here is the fine structure constant. This is unbelievable. This is, you know, the point is people say, ah, that's crazy, it's crazy. Oh, really? get a little boy, make a make blocks. Uh, I think Mad Simpson an Ancient Architects, he made a model, I think for his kids, but he made a model that he's shown on some of his videos of this very thing. So make a block and you fit it in and it's gonna be exactly 137.5 of them, but oh, the middle, the half isn't there. So the coffer, the physical part of it is, one, is the fine structure constant number. Unbelievable when you consider what all, you know, because to people that are listening to this and what's the fine structure constant? even the physicists that have found it don't understand it. And Richard Feynman said, we'll never get a formula for it. Robert Grant, my friend, found the formula for alpha. He did. You just go to his Instagram page. He's writing papers about it with his mathematician friends. So, so it's, it has been discovered, but it's still mysterious. So if you don't understand that, it's fine. Even the physicists who know what the number is don't exactly understand it. It's this mysterious number that's related to physical matter and light. So it's like, to me, what it speaks of, there's nothingness is 137 of these. In other words, you you could take the physical part, which is one 137 or the nothingness, which is also 137. And so the, the 137 and the one over 137 in the king's chamber, to me, it symbolizes resurrection. And what, is it, what does an empty coffin say? You know, that yeah. the guy's not here, the mummy made it, he made it to the next life or whatever, he's not here. So you might not agree with that, but the point is that that's what's being said. Okay, so there, so there's that. So, so that, is another example of the fine structure constant in the Great Pyramid.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, so uh, let me uh, stop sharing for a bit just so we see our faces here. Because uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, well, uh, you mentioned uh, the, the 110 billion thing. All right, let me let me say something about that because uh, that that is amazing too. Let's see where I could go to show you some here. Let me just start like this. Um, I'll go to... Uh, uh let's see let's see what i've got out here yeah i guess i put it away let's see i'll go to my desktop here and uh, i made a folder for this interview it's got some things in it and uh okay so this one right here okay let's look at this here's a picture that's not the one i want let's get rid of this guy and uh, let's look at this picture. Okay, so if you go to Washington D.C., you know a lot of people go to the National Air and Space Museum. It's a, you know a great museum. Well, this is an outside part of the museum. It's called the Voyager exhibit. So this mother and her kids are looking at the sun, and those other poles there are you know Mercury, Venus, Earth, at a one to ten billionth scale. In other words, that sun is one ten billionth the size of the sun, and the the uh, the display of Mercury and Earth are also exactly proportional at one ten billionth how far away they are from the Sun and if you take a fifteen minute walk from this spot you'll be at Pluto fifteen minute walk and again so everything's proportional both in distance and size and so the curators of this museum have used a scale of one in ten billion so just to show you another picture of it let's let's just do an overhead shot of. The mall there in Washington DC so here's here's a picture so you can see the National Mall so if you can read that you can see the entry point down at the bottom then you go to Mercury Venus Mars and then you see how far away a 15minute walk to go all the way to Pluto you know past by the National History Museum there okay so um, I was I was mentioned to Charles uh, before uh, so I, I don't know if I can find it quickly but I'll just I'll just say it here then the hemienu template, which I've discovered in the Great Pyramid, it's it's where the air shafts of the King's Chamber exit. So that point is at the 103rd course. It's 200 royal cubits across. So the Great Pyramid's like this, where the air shafts exit is. So if you take that slice out of the Great Pyramid, you have a square of 200 royal cubits. Okay, 200 royal cubits is 104.7 meters. 104.7 meters. So I was I was showing. Charles, that uh, that uh, I'm going to show you something from uh, from our little pregame setting this meeting up today that you're watching here. Okay, so here was our conversation. So I said, "Are we wearing ties?" Because you notice Charles wearing a tie, and I've I've got a you know sport coat on, so we're kind of dressing up for this interview. And he says, "So 1047 my time." He's telling me when we're going to get on. And so I told him that's the number. That's the Hemiunu template, 104.7, 104.7 meters. So he, unbeknownst to him, that number, that's what I'm talking about now. So that, that, that 104.7 is, now get this. Remember, Hemiunu, his name means human. He's bringing down to human scale, just like the museum curators did to make the solar system understandable. They took a 110 billionth scale, Hemiunu at a 110 billionth scale, pi over the speed of light, is 104.7. Now, pi is in the Great Pyramid, that's obvious. We can show that in many ways, many people know that. But Hemiunu, who's the architect of the Great Pyramid, who's got this 104.7 square template that I found a whole bunch of things that it relates to. It, it, this, you know, so it's just incredible that pi divided by the speed of light, 299,000 meters per second. Just do the math, as a matter of fact, I showed my calculator, I, I, took a, I did this on the calculator, just before we on this call, there's my calculator, Charles. All right, uh, wow. if you can see, there's your 104.7. Wow. And it's it's it, to the 10 billionth. That's what I did is I simply you know, go to Google, find out what the speed of light is, 299,000. You know, pi. I just punched the pi. You know, on the calculator, there's a pi button. So to make sure I got the value right, I just punched pi down here. So I took pi divided by I put in the speed of light, I got this number. It's to the 10 billionth. That's 104.7, the very time you set for this meeting. So that that gives an example of one of the ways I work. Well, I believe in science and rationality. I also believe in, in being led by the spirit, you know, but just providence, singularities, you know, coincidences, whatever, you know. And so I, I knew this was one of the things I want to talk about because the time you set this meeting is 104.7. So so there we
0: go. Synchronicities mean it means that something is real, and, and everyone who makes discoveries. Uh, find synchronicities. Even people make synchronous discoveries at the same time, you know, they come up, yeah, that's true. The independent teams come up with the same things at the same time as well, yeah.
1: Yeah, and and so and most researchers, even that experience that, don't write about that in their paper because they want to be accepted in the scientific community, and they, they themselves recognize that it happened, but they know that's not scientific, and I respect that, you know, but I do believe what you're saying, that I think people experience that, you know. As a matter of fact, Gary Osborne is a great researcher, and he wrote that book about the Rendlesham, uh, you know, ufo incident uh and uh, the the uh, you know the the amazing stuff that came out of that and i'll just put it in my own terms you know you have to study the way osborne talks about it he's more or less saying like wow like what what i'm finding here i'm being led somewhere now, he's just trying to be scientific he's trying to just you know but he's he has to admit that there seems to be another power operating here you know and so I've experienced that same kind of thing, including, you know, you setting the time of the meeting, which is an odd time. You didn't say five o'clock, six o'clock. You said, you said 1047,
0: You know, I mean, that that's, that's plainly an example of what we're talking about.
1: So, yeah, it was it was an
0: odd thing thing for me to write, you know, I was probably being directed by the universe to write that.
1: <laughs> there you go. So we're in sync, you know, the alpha and the omegas is, is here. So, you know, uh, so one thing that, uh, I'd maybe like to mention is uh, uh, yesterday I happened to notice that my, my book, uh, Enoch, about uh, the Orion correlation theory. So, you know, Robert Baval decades ago, he's written books about it, you know, he's, he's done co-authorship with Graham Hancock, I don't know, think Adrian Gilbert's, different people, he's written about, you know, the Orion correlation theory, which he discovered as recently as a 2017 when he wrote a book about the Sphinx with Robert Schock, he put in the appendix, he was still pushing for scientists to accept the Orion correlation theory. So over the decades, he's tried to build a, a, a uh, respectability to something that, oh, that's that esoteric stuff, we're not going to get into that. And, in the, and of course, the Orion correlation theory says that the three pyramids in Giza, you know Khufu, Kafri, and Menkara, are in the same orientation as the three belt stars of Orion, Alnitak, Alnilam, and Mintaka. So there's a relationship between those three belt stars and the three pyramids. And Baval, again, he's written books about it. He's still, as recently as 2017, pushing for scientists to accept it. So I wrote, a, I, what I did, and, and I say I'm the only person in the world that's done this. And I, I say that not to boast, I say it I, every time I tell the story, I say it so that somebody hears this and says, no, I've done it. I, I wanna find other people that have done what, I, but I took every star of the constellation Orion, put it down to earth and went to it. Not just the three belt stars, like, if, you know, if my wife asked me later, well, how did that interview, what, what did Charles, how did Charles look, what was he wearing? Oh, he had a great belt. Well, what kind of hat did he have? I don't know, what, what, what did he talk about? I don't know, what is in the actual, because I don't know, but he had a great belt. Nobody is known by their belt, except for maybe a heavyweight champion, you know, got his belt, but you know. So, so the point is, Baval stuck for decades. I think in the beginning, he tried to find other stars. He came to some some dead ends. And so he just focused on the three. So what I did is I said, dude, if it's really the Orion, you don't have an Orion correlation theory, you've got a belt theory. I wanna take all of Orion. So I, I, I followed where where the Egyptians placed Orion on Egyptian soil and I went to all the places and I wrote a book about it. So I just noticed on Amazon yesterday that that uh, uh, somebody really slammed me in, in the review of the book and I could tell they didn't even read the book, but that, that's fine, you know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I'm mentioning that because that's another one of my discoveries. So again, so so the guy and the guy didn't even have a name. His name was uh, something like a ancient Egyptian protector. Like in other (laughs) words, he's hiding under a name like that. I said, you know, my name's Larry Paul. Okay, you know. Yeah. And and the things he said were just just it's you know, just wrong. I mean th- he, he he slams me. It's you know he's he's like this expert because I've looked at some of his other reviews and he is a legitimate Egyptologist and his other reviews of people that are standard Egyptologists are like traditional you know looking at things. But all of a sudden he comes to something that's a little different, you know. Because in my book and, and here's why it's different. I talk about things like we just talked about about providence. I was led and by a cab driver and and so he slams that that I've got a cab driver in the book. But I'm not. I didn't, t- I, this book wasn't a forensic science. I'm not like Baval who in 2017 in the appendix to the book he wrote was shock about the Sphinx. He is begging scientists to accept his discovery. I'm not doing that because I know some people aren't. I'm not, and I'm not making this scientific. I, I just think the Egyptians did it. I tried to show that. And in my chasing down on Egyptian soil, the places where, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Enoch, the Egyptian new Orion connection hypothesis. So instead of the Orion correlation theory, I've got the Orion connection hypothesis. So it's instead of theory, I've got hypothesis, instead of uh, correlation, I use connection. But it's the new because Baval's is the old one, so I've got the Egyptian new Orion connection hypothesis. And it says that just like the picture shows, I take all the stars of Egypt, or of, of uh, Orion and where they are in Egyptian soil. And so that is unique. And you know, I did it as a travelogue, really because the things I discovered were of the order of 104.7, the time of this meeting. It's not scientific, but it's this providence that says, wow, Charles, you were in touch with the universe because you set a time. It wasn't like five o'clock or seven o'clock normal times you set for meetings. It was this odd number it just happens to be one 10 billionth over the speed of light, okay? So, and it's the Hemingway new templates. So the same kind of things led me here, but that doesn't mean you can discount them. I mean, obviously some people will discount them because I'm talking about syn- you know, synchronicities that happened that led me to see something. It's not, I'm not putting, you know, the virtue is not you setting the time of 1047, the virtue is in what that symbolizes that you didn't even know. And that's the kind of thing that happened. I was led by a providence, but it led me to something that was real. As you said, these things are real, you know? So the guy was slamming me and, and just the things, so I actually wrote a review then because I, I didn't know how to answer him. He doesn't have a name. So I just wrote a review of my own book, but the review is to just comment on the other review, you know,
0: <laughs> And uh, so,
1: anyway, so so I mentioned that to say that, you know, you know I'll, I'll never, you know, sell millions of books like Baval. It's it, this really, uh, you know, is a small circulation. It's not, you know, I'm small peanuts. But it's real. I'm sorry, it's real, and it's an interesting read. I just think it is because as I said, sometimes, because I'm rewriting it. it. You know, I talked with you about that one time. And you 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 get made some good suggestions about how to rewrite it, and I appreciate that. You know, and I and I know you were right. I don't know if you remember when you gave me some guidance on this, but I know the things you said to me were right. You really, and so that's one of the reasons I want to rewrite it. <laughs> Plus, I see other things. You know, so I it's I'm not appropriate. Writing is a difficult discipline, right? Am I right? Yes. It's, it takes
0: years to write even one book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, I do want to redo this and do it better, but it's still not, it's not going to be a scientific book where I'm just quoting standard Egyptologists and talking about their archaeoastronomy because, and, and here this, I really want to say this because I really stressed in the beginning, how, how am I going to talk about the as above, so below the, the Egyptian maxim? How do I say that? Because I'm not a spheroid geometrist. I don't know spheroid geometry. I can't, and then it, what finally came to me to make, gave me confidence to write the book is I don't have to be, I'm finding what the Egyptians did. Maybe they did something, you know, like me finding, you know, the 104.7, the, the, the pi over the speed of light. I didn't make that, it's in the great pyramid. I discovered, when we say we discovered something, we discover something that already exists. So it's not, I, I didn't even create it, Hemiunu did or Enoch did or somebody. They get the credit. I just, by discovering it, I get involved with it, but they they did the work. I could never figure out how to make a building that has pie and the speed of light embedded in it. You know, I, I can't, but I discovered somebody else did, okay? So that's the confidence I got. I, I, re, I realized this is what the Egyptians did, how they did it, how their Leonardo da Vinci's did it, which is what this guy was slamming me for. It's not scientific. I don't know how they did it. I'm just saying, I found and that gave me confidence. To realize I don't have to be the expert on the astroarchaeology. The you know, I just need to find what they did, and then somebody else can figure out how they did that. You know, but I'm just saying, I'm just going by what's there. So you know, that gave me confidence. That was the level at which I could write. You know, do
0: this. Amazing, amazing, and and yes, synchronicities are the way things happen uh even the interview we're doing today it was a it was a mutual willingness wasn't it when a mutual willingness happens synchronicities occur and well yes and you
1: know and something changing you because I know you've been uh and as as we all should you know just like me thinking about rewriting the book you've been thinking about re uh centering your channel or you know like maybe I am I read about that you've gone through some iterations of trying to you know because you're you know, whereas you know, like you take ancient architects, Matt, everyone starts the same, the same music, and they've got that consistency, you know. And so, that, that, you know, I, I, I envy that, but I can't do it. It seems at times you've tried to do that too, but then you you have an introduction that's big, but then you do a different one the next time. And that's like yeah. me. So, but <laughs> you're, and you're searching to find it. We all have to do that because you know YouTube is you know gearing us down now in the logarithm. Independent channels don't do as well since that Logan Paul incident. You know and, and they got slammed for for promoting fake news people, so therefore, you know, the only people they promote are the Smithsonian, Harvard, you know, the New York Times, and you and me yeah. aren't that, brother. You know, we're not yeah. the Smithsonian. Look at,
0: what, look at what we're doing, it's like so, it's like 10 levels higher orders of power than, than, what, than what they're doing because yeah. we're I mean, being other yeah. disciplines into what the Egyptians did and, and what you're and doing. I mean, me. that's
1: that's really the point at which YouTube turned because they, they took too, so much flack because of that Logan Paul incident. And they changed a bunch of rules about making videos and stuff like that. You had to then get so many subscribers before you could you know, get a paid channel and all that kind of stuff. And. And that, and now they've, you know, everybody says even Matt Simpson, as big a channel as he has, he's still an independent, and he's talked about how he's been hurt too. So even the big channels that used to, you know, get a lot of punch are still feeling the pinch. And then you, you've been you had a very, you know, robust channel, and you've been feeling the pinch too, because I've read you, you know, talk about it.
0: Yeah, so I'm just. The subby the subscribers don't move. It stays the same for years and years.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you just know that there's more people that would be interested in your stuff, but they're not really trying to, you know, help you find them because of the Logan yeah. Paul incident. So anyways, um, um, what else did I want to talk about? Um the uh uh well, one thing uh, that I found is uh you know that Robert Grant and Alan Green have shown that that uh, da Vinci went to Egypt. He was in Egypt. I mean, you, you really you've got to see it. But the, the, it seems undeniable once you once you see the evidence. Wikipedia won't tell you that, but you know, I and I respect Wikipedia. But it, it, a lot of times, if things are a little bit off the beaten path, it doesn't it doesn't pick it up. You know. So uh, so he he encoded. great pyramid in the vitruvian man i was told the vitruvian man is the second most famous you know picture i guess the mona lisa is the first but the vitruvian man is the second most so in the vitruvian man you know this this man that's you know in the circle and square it's like man in relationship to the universe you know and everything and and da vinci plainly encoded the great pyramid in the vitruvian man i've done programs about it to me it's undeniable and as a matter of fact some of the horizontal lines that da Vinci has on the vitruvian man are not in your physique there's no horizontal line across here but the places where he has horizontal lines all match passages in the great pyramid except for the upper ones which seem to be where the, the void is being found so it seems like he da Vinci knew of passages still to be discovered so another thing that da Vinci has he's got a pyramid like mark above the belly button of the Vitruvian, Man, just look at it just go, go it's easy to find go to the Vitruvian Man, do a close up you know on your 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 program there look at and there's there's a pyramid shape above the belly button. Well, we don't have a pyramid shape above you look at your belly button there's no pyramid shape up there, but da Vinci has it there and I discovered that not only is the great pyramid embedded in the Vitruvian man, but the minkara pyramid that 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 uh, little uh, pyramid shape thing above the belly button really encodes the Minkara pyramid. I've done videos about that okay so Will Weyer, who's a great graphics guy in Boulder, Colorado, uh, he's been to Egypt with me, he showed me that on the arms of the Vitruvian Man, there are some slanted lines. Instead of the straight horizontal lines, you know, most of what Da Vinci has, it's got the square, you know, it's a circle, it's got the horizontal line, so it's all square, but there are these slanted lines on the arms, right near right near the biceps. So I followed those lines down. So so there's a so so you can place, as I said, the Vitruvian Man on the Great Pyramid. He, da Vinci intended that okay well it's uh, sacred geometry decoded has shown me and others have seen it there's a five times great pyramid on the Giza plateau picture the center of Khufu then take a line down to the very center of Menkara and then draw a straight horizontal that pyramid is exactly the angle of the great pyramid and it's exactly five times the size of the great pyramid and I've shown by the I and I anyways I've documented the third angle too to show that it's really meant to be there. So so if you now superimpose the Vitruvian Man over that great pyramid, the one that's plainly on the Giza plateau now, you know, top is in the center of Khufu, the vertice on this side is the center of Menkara. Okay. If you overlay it, those, those lines point down. And uh, Robert Grant showed me a picture of the philosopher's stone, uh, 1688, by a guy named Mayer, and he was the drawing picture a pic of you know the philosopher's stone is an emblem. It's like oh, a I know logo. that picture,
0: yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and so if you that picture, he's drawing on a map. So there's something about the philosopher's stone. So so Da Vinci was doing that. He 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 was drawing it, and so I took the Vitruvian Man. I, I did a program about this, laid it over that pyramid on Giza the same way you'd lay it over the great pyramid. And so I just followed those lines down in Giza. Now you're getting south of Giza. You're just going into the, into the desert in Egypt. And I did a program about this. It led to a V that, that those lines where they converged from the two, from the bicep curve line and the bicep curve line, which is on the Vitruvian man. Again, I'm not making this stuff up. The Vinci put it there it's to me, it's a rational conclusion to put the, the Vitruvian man over the Great Pyramid itself, but now over the Great Pyramid, the five times Great Pyramid, which is what I did, it's really there, you know, so people that don't believe that, okay, you, bye, you can, you, know, you can leave, but it's really there. Okay, so then I followed down on, and into the, into the Egyptian desert and the place where it comes on Google Earth, there's a V. So now I followed where the lines from the V went one of them went straight through the holy shaft that i discovered and through the center of the great pyramid to the entrance of the great pyramid that's where one of the lines went from that b and the other line went down to the pyramid of Lahun, a pyramid of the 12th dynasty renaissance that's down in fayum okay so you so you've got one so so it's amazing think about it you've got all these things coming together, which again, people that don't get this, they think I'm crazy. That's fine. You can think that, that's okay. You know, I'm not, not offended. I'm not offended, but to me, every step we took in that is rational. Okay? <laughs> da Vinci was in Egypt. He did channel the Great Pyramid in the Vitruvian Man. The Vitruvian Man is meant to be placed over the Great Pyramid. The Great Pyramid has a five times representation on the Giza Plateau. Many have recognized it, sacred geometry decoded and others. And so you place the Vitruvian man over that pyramid the same way he's supposed to be placed over the Great Pyramid. You take those two lines that are on the elbows, that Da Vinci put them there, they must be there for some reason. Again, these horizontal lines are passages in the Great Pyramid, they are, and you don't have horizontal lines on your chest, but the Vitruvian man does, and they match the passages in the Great Pyramid. So I follow those lines down, they come to a V formation, look at my video, it's there, I'm not making it up. Why would I make this up? You know, I'm not Sitchkin, I'm making it. So there's a v and then the, the one line points up to the great pyramid so think about it da vinci has the great pyramid in the vitruvian man he takes us down into a part of egypt and then points back to the great pyramid and then also points to the pyramid of lahoon well that's like the the southern shaft in the king's chamber the southern shaft points to Alnitak, which is the star in orion that represents the great pyramid because remember the three stars go to Khufu, Capri, and Menkara. So it's uh, Mintaka goes to Menkara, and Alnitak goes to the Great Pyramid. So the Great Pyramid points to itself. For, for, apart from da Vinci, the shaft, the southern shaft of the Great Pyramid points to Alnitak, which in the Robert Baval correlation is the Great Pyramid. So the Great Pyramid points to itself. and here Da Vinci has this line off the Vitruvian man, which is in the Great Pyramid. This comes down to a place in Egypt. Remember that drawing you've seen of Mayer and the Philosopher's Stone drawing the sacred geometry onto a map. So we're being kind of told, well, don't just do sacred geometry in your head and be a little mathematician, you're on paper and you're getting all your stuff, take it to the real world. And it comes to a V in Egypt and one
0: points to the Great Pyramid and the other one points to the Pyramid. of It's like amazing. That's incredible. Um, Larry, there is a possibility that um, Da Vinci he had books which are no longer available in his possession because um Gavin Menzies in his um 1492 uh was it 14 1452 which I'm sure you've heard of um he yeah. he actually claims that da Vinci had in his possession Chinese books and other books of the world books with maps of the world books with he, he reckons Chinese inventions but it could be books with ancient technology in them and maybe uh Da Vinci had some of the knowledge of the Geyser Pyramid builders in his possession. You know, I, I think so.
1: And another reason I think so is I did I did a video on the overlay of the Great Pyramid in Washington, D.C. And then a, which is there. I'm sorry. It's, it really is. Watch the video and the and the overlay over the Vatican. And, and it's plainly there. And what's amazing is that the the, uh, the statue by uh, Bernoulli or not Bernoulli, uh, I forgot the man's name but he, he's an architect like the 16th century. He, he has a, a fountain that's there and, and he's the one that designed the square. Remember there's an Egyptian obelisk at the center of the Vatican so it's not too far-fetched to think the Great Pyramid could be there because there's an Egyptian obelisk in the center of St. Peter's Square and so the lines that radiate from that obelisk match the shafts in the Queen's Chamber which weren't discovered until 1872 by Wayman Dixon. There's no record anywhere of the Queen's Chamber shafts until Wayman Dixon, on a hunch from uh, Robert Menzies, who was a shipbuilder, and he said maybe you should look in the Queen's Chamber for air shafts, just like there are in the King's Chamber. And so Wayman Dixon, who was working with C.P. Izzy Smith, the Astronomer Royal for Scotland, uh, he he uh, he he began chip he, he he measured in the Queen's Chamber where would be the analogous point to the King's Chamber. Tapped a little bit, and and he found it. So for the first time now, since it was built, I say 4,500 years ago, you can say 10,000 years ago, but for the first time since it was built, now we know there's air shafts coming out of the Queen's Chamber. Oh, but guess what? The overlay that I discovered, I did a program about it, those lines on the Vatican designed long before 1872, it's been there long before 1872, plainly channel show knowledge of the Queen's Chamber air shafts. And so I would think it would be the same thing. The Vatican's known to have a bunch of books that other people don't have, you know. And so you're saying Da Vinci had other books that people don't have. I totally yeah. believe that because they because I'm they sure. knew because nobody knew about this till 1872. We thought, you know. So yeah, definitely there, there's a, you know, there, there's a, you know, some there's a lot. Well, and that's coming out in so many ways. Cause one of the things that the alternatives, you know, wrap the Egyptologists for is, you know, they don't see advanced civilizations that have declined but you know their evidence well that's what we're saying we're saying in saying what we just said about the books that da vinci had there's these books that probably go back to that time when there seemed to be a single world language there was certainly a single language of megaliths that because you know there's so much relationship between stonehenge and you know teotihuacan and you know the the, the numbers show that there was a single knowledge of the earth at that time you know, so we only thought that the modern age with technology and the internet that we now have a worldwide, no, they had a worldwide network before we thought people had the capability of having a worldwide network before the internet, you know what I mean? So that, that's, that's plainly there. So this would just be the things we just talked about, the, the knowledge that Da Vinci had, the knowledge that, that the, the, the guy that designed the, the St. Peter's Square, they had access to some of those things that go back to that
0: era where the, this knowledge was there.
1: So, you know,
0: exactly, Larry. Um, so, I've become convinced that there are books that no longer exist that these people drew upon. Uh, for example, even Shakespeare drew on lost Italian books, Italian plays, and things. Totally. Uh, and, 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 and I noticed that there is, it, it, there, there seems to be, have been a strong Renaissance Italian investigation of Egypt. And either those books haven't survived or they're just in Latin. And the thing is, these days, people actually can't read Latin. No one can read Latin, um, (laughs) except for the people in the Vatican. Even the medieval historians, actually, I found that, because I'm a medieval historian, and my professor told me, I said to to him, can they, the other professors, they can read Latin, right? And he said, no, they're pretending. (laughs) So no one can actually read these old books.
1: Golia est divisa in partis tres. Okay. So, yeah, I took four years of Latin.
0: <laughs> oh, good work. Golia. Uh, okay. That's <laughs> a famous you know, speech from, from me, Caesar. <laughs>
1: a, lot of, a lot of Latin students have to memorize that speech. Okay. So,
0: yeah. So it's kik- out, Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, in that, that's like the burning of the Alexandrian library. Same thing. You know, I mean, there were books there that, you know, Plainly, you know, because I mean, the the guy that uh, that we credit with uh, figuring out the circumference of the Earth, uh, the uh, the uh, Greek guy, what's his name, uh, Erasthenes or something, you know, yeah. Erasthenes. Oh, he was only the keeper of the Alexandrian Library. Bingo. Oh, so so we wonder where he found out the circumference of the Earth. Okay, you know, really. So yeah, because everything everything that uh, the Greeks had, the Egyptians had, we, we you know, you just study. You know, all of them, I mean, Plato, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, geometry, uh, Euclid, uh, you know, all of them were in the Egyptian mystery schools. So, and, and even the, the Greeks say they don't understand their own legends, like Hercules, whatever, they don't know where they came from. So even their own legends, they don't know where they came from, but they came from, a past, from some other past so so all that we we attribute to the start of western civilization and you take a western civilization course you study greece first greece is you know they're everything well greece got everything from egypt so you know that's one of the reasons i i've dedicated my my life now to studying giza and the great pyramid stuff because it you know and i i'm not as interested in middle kingdom and you know the the uh the talmaic pyramid stuff because it's the old kingdom where this stuff you know these secrets seem to be hidden so i i just uh, you know i i'm like uh I like studying prophecy. I like studying esoteric things. So that's why I, you know, I focus on old kingdom Egypt, because I think there, there are truly secrets hidden that are meant to be, you know, like the great pyramid, Stephen Braben has a really nice site in the great pyramid. It's called greatpyramids.com or something, but Stephen Braben, B-R-A-B-I-N, he's, he's done some brilliant work that he's making available now to the world. And, and, uh, you know, uh, um, he talks about the way that the the builders hide stuff but they mean to well they hide it so no one will ever find it no they find it so only the they hide it so only the searchers will find it i mean i really i really believe that so that's what i'm engaged in i'm engaged engaged in the search for finding these things that you know like, you know, today, we we can understand to a certain extent. You know, we, some people think we're in this great, new, you know, we're on the verge of the new, the age of Aquarius and all this. And well, in some aspects, we are. On the other hand, this is a cancel culture. You know, you say certain things, you can be deprogrammed, deplatformed, you know, uh, hoodwinked, your Twitter account taken away. We see it happen to people that are saying strong things of, of a certain political bent, especially. That's why Da Vinci decoded things. That's why these artists decode things. That's what... They don't want to have the fate of Galileo they don't want to be tried in the tribunal and killed so they'll just hide things in their paintings why why not just say it outright why didn't just you know da vinci write a treatise and say well you know uh the, the, I, I really understand some things about the great pyramid and here are six things i understand that most people don't understand there's hidden ch-. why didn't he do that because you know we're, we should understand that in the cancel culture you lose your twitter account if you say something you'll be deplatformed you'll be ridiculed you know and so that that's the reason things are encoded Because, you know, the the ruling elite say the earth's flat or they say that, you know, the earth is the center. And if you don't say that, you know, it can be dangerous. So that's why things are encrypted. I think that's one of the main reasons. Also, I, I don't think everyone's capable, just like a lot of people have long since turned off. If anybody's watching what we're doing here because like, oh, those guys are crazy, you know? And that's fine. It takes a certain amount of, it takes a certain, I don't know, you know, to see it, you got to be able to see it, you know? And if you don't see it, you don't see it, you know? That's why Jesus told parables, I think. you He was always telling parables because, you know, he never said, listen, let me give you a theological lesson. Okay, there's a father in heaven, you know, he's got 16,000 angels and they're organized like this, that, you know, the red ones are over here. He never said stuff like that. He said, there was a man and he had two sons. There was a king and he threw a great feast. He's telling parables. This is the guy, this great spiritual teacher is telling parables. So there's a reason for that because he didn't want to get hung too quick, you know? you know you you're right tr-
0: pharisees yeah. are going to action yeah uh, he, he must have been talking to thousands of people and I, I believe the romans were watching him as well so he had to basically use metaphors the whole the, for the whole of his speech he, he was <laughs> totally revolutionary as well
1: <laughs> you better believe that, that that pontius Pilate and those roman were worried to death about an insurrection because it would be under their watch it would be their name and caesar would have their head so you better believe they were watching Jesus, just like the Pharisees were. They were jealous of this guy that was popular. Like you say, He, a lot of people gathered around him, and they didn't like that. They wanted to be, listen to me, I'm Dr. So-and-so. You know, it's the whole Egyptology independent thing that we, you know, have going on now.
0: Yeah, so. yeah you're right. There was, there was definitely a sacred police, and, and these things are, are you know, th- th- these things are, are not known about when people read the Bible, and, and we have to appreciate it in that context, I guess.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's plainly a, a hidden battle going on. And, it, and it's going on now. While there are elements of the age of Aquarius coming, I, I do see, I, I get that. And I, and I can join in the crowd that says that at the same time, you got to recognize there's a big Antichrist out there. I mean, what's the lockdown? What's the science for all this lockdown in Australia? What's the science for that? Like, try and, try and tell me there's a science that says that that changes anything. I mean, it, we, are, we are
0: locked down. We are locked down more than anyone else in the world. I mean, UK has you know thousands of cases, tens of thousands of cases. They're opening up. We are. We have a handful of cases, and we're locking down because we're trying to er- eradicate it because we're an island. But at the end of the day, uh, yeah, it's apparently this variant is not as not as deadly. Uh, so well, I'm just saying,
1: I you know, I I don't spend any time studying this. My wife does. I I get this from her. She she stresses on it. But you know, I I. I just I, I do believe it was a conspiracy of sorts. There there's a bigger agenda. There is a truly an agenda to stop a plague. I get that. That's part of the story. But the other part of the story is they're using this to get more control governmentally, to uh, experiment with certain things. They're putting in the cocktails of of the vaccines because they're all experimental, and and there's evidence for that. You know, so so you know there there's a you know a big brother. There's a you know in 1984. There's this big government that's putting these requirements. And I don't really think you can you can scientifically prove that these lockdowns are doing what they think they're doing but it it can make them feel like they're doing something so that's fine i get that but i just don't think it really is doing anything i I don't i don't but that's you know but i don't want to you know i don't usually talk about this stuff i really that's why i get into egypt i don't want to talk about this political stuff it's but you know i just just this week uh, that's coming into connection for him because somebody that was attacking me on the youtube channel You know, I realized it came down to what we're talking about. It was like, I was not giving a mainstream view. And he was rapping me for not giving a mainstream view. And so I realized if he represents a lot of people that have a mainstream view of, of what I was talking about, then, you know, then he's chipping away at me and hammering away. And a lot of people who think they shouldn't get the, the vaccine because they've read about, you know, some of the things that do happen and some of the stories are hidden, but you, you go on the web and you can see all kinds of stories about people that all kinds of bad things happen from the vaccine. And it says right on the one, when I got mine, it tells you right there, it's experimental and it's not an approved drug and all, you could have all kinds of reactions. It says right there, it says it right on there.
0: Yeah. And so,
1: you know, because of that, some, some people have decided I'm not going to get it, but then you hear about how they're pressured at work. know the social pressure and stuff and so you know it it ends up chipping away at you chipping away and and then it's like you're you're a bad person if you don't get vaccinated you know so now it's a moralistic thing now it's shaming you know and that's Mm. the kind of dynamic that leads people like da vinci to you know to hide things i mean it's we're so we're in it while we're in it on the on the cusp of the age of aquarius we're also on the cusp of the antichrist taking over so, you know, yeah. it's an odd
0: time. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it strange? Not much has changed since the uh, days of Savannah, Savannah Roller. And um, indeed, and yeah, and I'm personally, you know, I'm waiting as well. I'm waiting for more tests. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he was an amazing guy, Savanna Roller. Do you know that he had the whole Bible memorized? See, I, I, I'm actually trying to find out things about him. You know more than me, but I'm trying to find, I, and, and I've noticed that there is no biography on him. Or at least I can't seem to find a biography it's on like him.
1: anything, you know, uh, Jason uh, uh, Brashear, I think his name is, he's got the Archaics channel. He boasts that he's the only guy that doesn't, you know, use internet sources, because if you search on the internet, there's a limitation. He's got a bunch of those older books. He has a bunch of older books, ancient books that he's got access to and he's and he's used and yeah. he gets all this stuff from there. So, you know, and, and as a matter of fact, I just bought this book because That's I wanted I it on it. my channel too. Yeah.
0: Show me.
1: Yeah. I just... I just bought this it's an older book but it's Andrew Collins you know uh I know that called, one yeah uh, from the Ashes of Angels because the Forbidden Legacy of a Fallen Race and he especially has a chapter on Egypt I want to see what he's saying about the etymology of Egypt so he's going and as I was reading through this for the first time I think yesterday it's an older book but I I just bought it on you know used uh, you know, he's drawn from sources that are, again, you're not going to get these sources on the internet. It made me think of the archaic channel, you know, you, you, you get, you, you know, there, there's a bunch of sources that, again, if you do a Google search, you're going to be limited to this, you know, certain, uh, you know, universe of things that won't include these books we're talking about that, that are about Savonola, etc.
0: That's, that's so true. I, I noticed that as well, Larry, uh, that, that the things you read in books, and you've got a brilliant library behind you. Things you read in books you do not find online.
1: Yeah, especially the older ones and stuff. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff that deals with, with you know. And but the thing is, it's so hard to sort out. You know, they say that you know the Emerald Tablets, you know, and tab- it's so much stuff that's got the name Enoch or esoteric on it just was written in the Middle Ages and it's not it's not what people say it is. So you can't draw. You know that that the uh, uh, Emerald Tablets thing was a you know a Muslim work in the, like the seventh century, exactly. whatever it was. It doesn't, you can't prove it goes back to, to Enoch. You just can't, you know. So, but there's enough things like these these sources we've just talked about that exist that some people I do think it's possible to piece together a true Enochian knowledge, a true esoteric hermeticism. But most of what goes on is hermeticism on the web, and current people that think they're hermeticists are really just mishmashes from the Middle Ages that weren't that really don't go back to Enoch, which is where hermeticism started.
0: Because exactly he, yeah
1: and so and academics you know,
0: academics won't recognize that they say it's early they, they claim it's early christian writings funnily enough yeah yeah even though it actually even sounds like egyptian hieroglyphic texts because it's short sentences
1: well you know i there i've got a book on the library here i don't know if i could pull it off right away but it's it's it, and it's it, it's typical of, of this viewpoint that uh that Christianity came from the Egyptian teaching. So, you know, Osiris, you know, being killed and, you know, all that, that that is a, you know, Horus, uh, Osiris, Horus is, is, is the story that led to Jesus. But that, what that fails to understand is sort of like what I was saying, the Greeks, well, really the Greeks got it from the Egyptians. So in this case, well, where did the Egyptians get this Osiris stuff? And it, it goes back to I think Enoch, because to, to, that's the source of, of you know, because there's a short line from Enoch to Noah to Shem, who's the father of Egypt, according to Psalm 78. And so you, you know, you, you got the, this short, tight connection in the human race there. And so the, the, the Hermeticist truths from Enoch, the Enochian, the true Enochian tables and the books of Enoch, which are fabled in the ancient world, the wisdom of Enoch and stuff got its way into Egypt early on, and then Egypt, just like the Greeks, transformed a little bit, you know, because I've studied ancient books of Egyptian geometry, and they're different than Euclid. It's a different geometry. They both work, but Euclid's is a different set of maxims and theorems than than the Egyptian, and so there was an an adaptation. So while the, the Greeks got their stuff from the Egyptians, they transformed it. And the same thing here, the Egyptians drew on this, this past from, from, from Enoch. So they, there's an etymology and you can't say Egypt started it. And therefore, you know, we have to... And so because of that, Enoch is quoted in the book of Jude in the New Testament as prophesying the second coming of Christ. So if that's true, Enoch was way back here. If he knew about the second coming of Christ then he knew about the first coming of Christ, so he knew, so, so he began to put into the human race stories about the Messiah who would come. Those got into the human race because again, the New Testament quotes Enoch, who existed long ago, prophesying the second coming. So again, if you knew the second coming, you knew a lot of other things. So that's where Egypt got the stuff that ended up becoming Christianity. They got it. So that's, that's, the, that's the etymology. Not many people know that and I'm sure most people would disagree and they' have shut the channel off right now but I that's really what happened so <laughs>
0: that's amazing that's amazing yeah um, that's absolutely incredible
1: yeah. and that's one of the reasons I named this book I use this uh, what do you call it you know when you, what, uh, each letter stands for something it's Enoch so it's the Egyptian new Orion connection hypothesis but I also got the name Enoch because I think I really think that uh, that the constellations, were named by Enoch. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, Charles, every effect has to have an adequate cause. For instance, seven-day weeks all around the world, what's the cause? Well, the Bible says that God created in seven days. That's the strongest reason. I mean, there were a few times the Egyptians had 10 days and French in the French Revolution had 10 days. So there have been some 10-day weeks, but most of the history of the world, Jews is a seven-day week. So that effect has to have a cause. All right, so let's look at this effect. Almost every ancient zodiac, Sumerian, Chinese, go to where you want to, has the same set of names for the constellation Orion. That should absolutely not be true if evolutionary thinking was true so that every Aboriginal society would have said, oh, look, I see a 57 Chevy up there. Oh, look, there's a telephone. And the constellations would have had all kinds of names that were disparate, but that's not what we find. The effect we find is the constellations are near unanimous in terms of their naming. When you go anciently, there are some little differences and stuff, but pretty much there's a single, etymology. The only explanation for that is that there's a single origin for the naming and that's Enoch. Enoch, Enoch was, you know, what Shishat was, uh, you know, in Toth. That's what Enoch was in reality. Toth is a fake God, you know, the Toth didn't exist. You know, that, I hate to break anybody's bubble but Egyptian gods aren't really gods, okay? They don't really exist. They're, they're nice thought patterns or something but Enoch really existed. And he's the one he I think the word inch comes from Enoch because anciently there are no vowels so Enoch is inch you take the vowels off and so you've got well, they, the, they, they say of, it
0: mean, it means once so it means one it,
1: and that could be because he was the he he's, he taught every the, one of the hermetic teachings is everything is the one you know the the uh, the uh, the four three two one you know it's everything is the one so uh, you know so I think Enoch is called the father of mensuration so he's the original toth you know because Toth is the number he's the scribe. Enoch was the scribe, he was the number he invented, you know, units or whatever he, you know, he's the original, you know, cubits, meters, inch guy. And so he's the one that helped name the stars. And those names stuck in the human race. Because again, every every uh, uh, effect has to have an adequate cause. How do you explain the fact that there's a great unanimity through different cultures at different times around the world of the of the naming of the constellation Orion, you know, it's because there's got to be a single origin. And I just think that that's you know that's Enoch so you know people think that's mythical well I think Toth is mythical I think Hermes is mythical but I think Enoch is a real person and uh, and he he named the stars and we, we've kept those down through the ages until today because if, if that's not the explanation you've got to give me one you know you've got to come up you've got to come up with a cause that explains that effect I've got mine what's yours you know
0: yeah, I, I think you're totally right. Uh, there must have been ancient astronomy books written by Enoch. They were known about by the Giza pyramid builders, and those books have I, 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 maybe they've been copied down and copied down through the ages because that's what chroniclers did. And eventually, it became it became the works of Ptolemy or some other astronomer, you know. And and some of, most of it was probably lost, but some of it well, they say not.
1: they say that Enoch was going to you know put two two tablets or monuments. So I think the Great Pyramid is one of them because that does have these things we're talking about. That they're embedded in geometry and math. And so that's one of his writings. But I think experiment. it's possible. I think he did do other writings too. So it's going to be interesting what, what happens with this, uh, the void, because I'm reading right now uh, Scott Creighton's book, um, The Great Pyramid, Void Enigma. And so he he looks at some ancient sources that aren't widely known that, that talk about what could be there. So remember, Da Vinci seems to have known that this void was there before the Scan Pyramids team you know came up with it. And and uh, one of the things is it seems like it seems it seems to reflect the Grand Gallery. So you've got the Grand Gallery and right above it, you know, is this void it seems to be about the same size. You know, and there's still a debate, even though the three different teams that worked independently on in Scan Pyramids, even though they you know, came, they worked separately and then they brought their conclusions together and they came, They still don't know if it's horizontal or if it's slanted at the same angle as, as the Grand Gallery, but it's above the Grand Gallery and it's either, you know, horizontal or slanted at the same 26 degree angle that the Grand Gallery is. And one of the things that uh, Crichton points out in here is that the uh, 27 niches that are, you know, one of the enigmatic things about it. as you go up the Grand Gallery, there's these 27 niches sort of evenly spaced now, uh, uh, Ralph Ellis makes a very good case that uh, when you do the division of the 27 divided by the length of the ring, gallery, it, it equals pi. So they, so those niches have something to do with pi, which is throughout the pyramid. But, but Scott Crichton says that there were 27 kings from the first king to Khufu. He, 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 lists the, he takes the Egyptian lists and he shows there were 20. And so there's 27 niches. And uh, Alexander, uh, or Andre po- Pochon the, the, the French writer. Uh, oh yes, right here, he, he wrote a book Engineering the, Mr-
0: the Great Pyramid. The oh, Mysteries no. of the Great Pyramid.
1: He says Grimid. that there were uh, 27 statues there, that the, that those, those, where those niches are, each one of them had a statue. And so now you got Scott Crichton finding a source saying there's 27 pharaohs from the first pharaoh to Khufu. And so he's saying that, he's talking about what's gonna be in that void. Now, uh, Robert Grant, who's a, uh, you know, a tremendous person, he's a polymath, he, he, uh, he's had you know, uh, visions about that, that room. And it, he said it's going to be the, uh, uh, the, grand, the grand opus. So when we do find, when finally Zahi Awas or somebody punches through that camera that they're going to do up there, because I, I know for a fact that they're trying to find the least intrusive way to get to that void. And especially with this Egyptian government because Zahi was as he begins to lose power, you know, he's slowly being pushed into the background. These younger guys are more, we want the world to know this stuff, you know, and they, because they want tourism, because they combined, you know, antiquities and tourism, a very strange marriage, you know, because tourism is, hey, come to Egypt, Egypt is great. And, and, And antiquities is, we sift every grain of sand. We move slowly through forensic scientists. So when you combine, you know, tourism in antiquities, which they did. That's why there's so much news coming out of Egypt now. Every little mummy that's found, bingo, it gets, because now they're giving it to, you know, tourism, and they fall, oh, come to Egypt, look what we found. Uh, it, it, so golden it's really...
0: The ancient architects exposed, he said it's not really a golden city at all. <laughs> it's, well, it's
1: not, well I'm, the, I'm the one that broke that story before he did. I, I, I was, oh. it was, it was funny, I was in Egypt at the time they made that discovery. I was in Luxor the next day. So I was in Luxor the day they were making it. So I've got my video I made there, not knowing I hadn't realized that day. It took me the next day on the on the boat. You can see my. I got a YouTube video. I, I think I put it on YouTube, where I'm on I'm on my Nile cruise and I made the video saying, "Shame on you, Egypt. You know you slam me because I say all these crazy esoteric things. Look at you, you big liars. You're saying it's a golden city. It's not a golden city. It was found in 1930. It's a where worker city. What the hell is the for, gold? Give me the gold. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. There's no gold there at all. There's no nothing. It's total. So there's an example of merging antiquities yeah. and tourism, you know, you get the Zahir Was hype, but the difference is the people behind the hype now is not like Zahi. I don't believe in that science, I don't believe in that science, like nah, Zahi is going to be out and pretty soon there's going to be this more openness to, to, to that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I think they're, they're definitely going to get the robots and go up there, and they're not going to hide it like Zahi. They're, you know, if they find some. So, I, I do think it's going to be something big. So, that's why, you know, I'm interested, interested to find, a, you know, things I didn't know about that's kind of prophesied what what's going to be up there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to get that book by uh, Scott Creighton. Um, that's fascinating. I've seen that on yeah, Amazon. That's quite popular. Yes.
1: Yeah, but you know, I, I told you though. Uh, you know, he I, he he did do a good job here. You know, this is the conspiracy to conceal the history of ancient Egypt. So Scott Creighton wrote the Great Pyramid Hoax. Now I just I did a review of that. I think it's on my website, GreatPyramid.us. And here's here's where he's a shyster, you know. Um, so he he he's got, he's got a. Um, he's got to uh, criminalize Howard Weiss because Howard Weiss is the one that discovered the graffiti. So he's got to make a case that, that uh, he's, a, he's a fraud and he, he hoaxed it, he-, he,
0: he the, the, the Zachariah Sitchin yeah. argument.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so he talks about the Zachariah Sitchin argument. He talks about how Sitchin was a liar. Okay, fine, he's, he's got that part right. But he sort of implies that maybe Sitchin was onto something. No, shut up, he's, he, he, he forged it. Get out of <laughs> it, don't don't promote it. So, okay, fine. So so the thing he uses to demonize vice is when he ran for parliament, he paid people that voted for him. So that sounds like on first blush, that guy is a liar. Until you find out that that was the culture and everybody did it. It's like, thanks for voting for me, here's some money. So we think, hey, it's, oh, he's paying for votes, you know? That was the culture and he, to his credit Crichton quotes experts from that period historians who say or even testimony at the time of vice that say it's the custom everybody did it. So guess what, so I, I, I make the the tongue in cheek remark that we all know Scott Crichton travels in his car above the listed speed limit. So we, because in my, in my world, like you, you drive 80 all the time in a 70 here and you never get ticketed. It's the culture. Culture overrides the law. It does in many places. Culture overrides the law. So yep. if you, vice might've known in, in a perfect world, it's not best to pay people, but everybody does it. And it's like, I'm rewarding the people that voted for me. What's so bad about that? Everybody did it. So, so the thing, and, and you look at the words that Crichton uses to talk about vice because of that, and there are really a lot of ad hominems. He really slams him on the basis of that. But Scott, you're not—you're not really folks. He—he he did what everybody did then. That's—that doesn't make him a bad person. Therefore, you scribe, you forged everything. Okay, so cut to the chase now. Uh, you know, he, he does do good scholarship. You know, in in bringing out a bunch of things. And and I agree with his conclusion at the end of the book, in the last page or so, the Egyptian government should do a dispassionate study of those. Of those markings they really should because, as I said, and Scott doesn't admit this, but Robert Babal, Graham Hancock, yes, John Anthony West, very strongly, Robert shock have all been up there. Scott creighton hasn't, and they all said that stuff is real. That stuff is real. And John Anthony West said, in strongest terms, you're crazy, you're full of you know, you, you don't know what you're talking about. John Anthony West said, if you say that stuff's not real, yeah. so so. You know, so what Scott Creighton says is that here, here's the linchpin to his argument. And think about it. He says that vice must have found because I saw as Charles when you did a program about this. You showed the three different names of Khufu that are up there, and one of them was the Horus name. Two two of the names you have are the ones that have uh, cartouches around them. The, of the five royal names, two of them got the cartouche. But Majed, Meded, Majedu, I think, is the Horus name, did not have yep. a cartouche. And it was not known by any Egyptologist in Howard Weiss's day that that was a name of Khufu. There we go. No one knew that was a name of Khufu. So he couldn't have forged it. He would have been the smartest Egyptologist in the world. And Crichton doesn't own up to how much he, he winks at that and says this, he sort of answers it without allowing that the charge exists. He doesn't talk about the charge, but knowing someone might bring it. He says this, Vice found a group of hieroglyphics, hieratic script somewhere. And he took that and put it up. So he's taking stuff he doesn't even know because he couldn't have known that the Majedu or however you pronounce that, the Horus name, whatever the Horus name for Khufu is, he, he couldn't have, known that he was putting Khufu's name by putting that because nobody in the world knew that at the time. So Crichton says he found a group of hieratic writings, kept it secret, which doesn't make sense because Vice was the <laughs> kind of guy that he discovered something he'd tell about it. But for some reason, he knows to hide. Yeah, political Korea, absolutely. And, then, and, now I'm gonna, and now I'm gonna forge it up there. And, and Crichton even admits that a lot of the, the graffiti up there is real. So now you gotta be this detective to find out which stuff vice-forged and which. So I said, yeah, let the Egyptian government do the work because it should be real obvious with forensic study to find something that was written 4,500 years ago versus something that was written 200 years ago. There should be a big difference in some kind of forensic something. You know, it's the paint it was four thousand. So it was, seems like it should be easy to prove. So I'm with Scott Crichton to say, it, but he's hiding in this erudite book, which has a lot of good stuff in it. He's hiding what I just said. So just like I told you, oh, I, that's, I, I said he wouldn't talk about that, but there was a certain channel in which I got shadow banned. You know, today <laughs> Charles and I talked about it ahead of time. I got shadow banned. In other words, you write something in a comment, you, and then they take it out. They take it up. You still see it. Unless you log out to your account and come back in, you still think it's there, but they take it out. So I got shadow banned today. I got shadow banned today. You didn't <laughs> it's, it's, Crichton is hiding stuff. Like, like I, so I'm saying, why would somebody shadow ban me? It shows they're afraid of my argument. Doesn't it show that? Why else would you ban me? I didn't swear. I didn't use an ad hominem. I didn't say you're an idiot. I just said, why don't you think about this? And they take my comment off. Okay, Crichton. I'm saying the same thing to you. It's like, why do you not say the things I just said? Because it, it, it cuts your argument out, the main argument. So that a lot of good scholarship, good scholarship, good scholarship, but the bottom line that it's resting on is sand. And, and all the, you know, I there's a famous person, I won't mention his name, that said to me, if Khufu built the Great Pyramid, I'll eat my desk. Very famous person said that to me, I'll eat my desk. Because he's read this book. He thinks there's no way Khufu built the Great Pyramid because of this book, you're hoodwinked, people. This is, there's this, there's a foundation of sand here. Great, you know, Scott Crichton's probably a nice guy, but you gotta explain to me, Scott, why you hid that. Yeah. You know, and you, you know you're gonna sell thousands of books and nobody's gonna listen to this little interview with me and Charles. So you're gonna, you're gonna be safe, but you know, that, for anybody that wants to find out, read my review, okay, so.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think you're right. I mean, 5,000 years ago is definitely long enough uh, and mysterious enough and obscure enough to not have to resort to 10,000 years because we want a bigger number.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah. it's like, you know, you want a different narrative. I get that, I get how, you know, I, that's understandable, you know, that you'd want a different number. I mean, it's, it's understandable, but you know, you don't want your scholarship to, you know, because really stop and think about it. If you're really doing that, if you're shadow banning people, and, and this is true for the, for the account that I'm not mentioning here, you make a lot of money on tours. You're gonna kick your business in the ass if it comes out that this stuff ain't the way you say it is. And Scott Crichton, yeah, you like to make money on books. I mean, or, or also he doesn't hide the fact that he wants the other narrative. So to his credit, Scott Crichton says what he believes. And, it, and so that's what we're talking about right now. What, how can you live with yourself if you really slant the evidence to be what you want it to believe? You just, you're just subject to your own dead religion. I mean, I, I, I swear to God, when I study something, I want it to take me where, it, where it's supposed to take me. This, this book that I wrote right here, I did not have the conclusions in mind that I came to at the end of this book. I didn't, I did honest research. I thought I was gonna be, there's a star here, there's a pyramid here. There's just, I thought it was gonna be simple, you know, archaeoastronomy. astronomy. There's a star here, there's a pyramid here. That's not what I got led to. In doing and beginning that research, I was led somewhere else. And it really is profound. I think it's profound, not that I'm a profound writer or anything. I probably did a crappy job of writing it, but what I was led to believe Orion is teaching, really for now, not back in the fourth dynasty, for now is profound. And so why you gotta hide stuff? Why you gotta shadow ban people? Because you're making money. If you're just out for truth because I don't, I don't make, I take some tours, I make a little bit of money, but my God, people know, I, like the tour I'm having right now is not many people signed up because I'm spending so much time talking to you and making videos. I'm not sitting there stressing, okay, I got to make more money on this tour. It's like, I don't think about money. I got enough coming in to live on. That lets, that frees me up to be a real scholar and yes. say whatever you want to say about me, but, you know, and that's what I sense about you. You know, you look at a lot of things in different ways and that's what you got to do, you know? Well, you know, I think we should bring this to an end. I, you know, there's a lot more we could talk about, but, uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed the time and, and uh, you know, I appreciate you, you know, being willing to do this because actually since I'm the one recording, this is going to be my video. So you're off yeah. the hook, you know, you can use what part of it you want to or not. You uh, know, it'll, once it'll I put
0: it my... on the channel and... Um... Yeah, what i'll do maybe i'll put it up on
1: youtube so you can get it i probably won't post this whole thing as a long thing i'll probably take out snippets of it and, and do and i'm just thinking uh, a lot i'll post of the whole old.
0: thing it's beautiful it's, it's, it's wonderful it's the best information well, i've heard about Giza. it's the best the best larry you're amazing
1: <laughs> well okay maybe, maybe I'll, I'll definitely put it on youtube i'll show it to you first you know through a private link and then we can talk about it, and I might put the whole thing out there because again, my sense is to put it in snippets because a lot of people. How long do you think we've gone, right now? You, you what?
0: Uh, we've gone about one hour, one one hour, almost uh, maybe maybe one hour twenty-three minutes, something like that. Okay. Yeah,
1: that's long for me. I don't usually post videos that long, but I I I, I could do it. You know, if you, if, no, if people I'll, will again, like
0: it. this, this is beautiful. This is a very nice interview.
1: Okay well, I'll, I'll post it again. I, I, just what I'm gonna post it on YouTube. Get it up there. just make sure it's up there. I'll share yeah. it with you privately. Yeah. Then you, we'll talk about it. and then if it seems at that time like it's the best thing to do and, and that way it'll save me the time of chunking because that's what I, I tend to do. I tend to people tend to watch like eight minute videos more than an hour, you know. And so, uh, you know, that, that's part of my some people listen
0: uh, in the background, you know, that went while that's they're true. Doing yeah,
1: that's true. And I, and I will try I turn all my videos into podcasts. I've got uh, uh, Anchor FM. I've got Anchor FM slash Great Pyramid. I've got a bunch of podcasts and they're mostly just the, you know, the uh, soundtrack from from these things. And really, most of the talk we've done here at the end has just been, you know, voice, you and me. You know, I stopped doing the visuals early on. So. So, yeah, it, it would make a good podcast for sure. Yeah. And which yeah. people listen to when they're running and all kinds of things. Yeah.
0: I'd love to put it all up. It was all very nice. It was amazing. Right. And I'm sorry we didn't do it soon. It was it was absolutely amazing. And I've learned a lot about how advanced the Egyptians were. The pre-Egyptians or the Egyptians, whatever you want to call them, whatever the old kingdom. And I believe, like you say, it was the old kingdom.
1: Yeah. Now I wonder where I hit stop recording. If I, if I just end the, the broadcast it says or I see where it says or I see it up there. Okay, I see yep. it up in the left-hand corner. So I'll just hit stop before yep. we go out just to make sure it saves what we've done. So let me do that right now. I'm gonna okay. so people goodbye, hope you watch this. <laughs>